Well, good morning again. Luke chapter 2 is where we're at this morning. If you brought your Bible along, you want to follow along with us. The words will be on the screen too. And also, if you have your Bible app here at Amazing Love, ironically, we encourage you to open your phones and keep them on, not turn them off during the message because we want you in your Bible. But um, let's look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. What a fabulous and kind of shocking account of some things that happened on the very first Christmas. Now, maybe not shocking for everyone because some of you have heard this before, but for those of you that might be new to this, this this is pretty revolutionary stuff. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. This is nearby Bethlehem. Keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So let me just start this morning with a question. As you're sitting here right now, would you describe your current state as at peace or in pieces. I think a lot of times, as I mentioned earlier in the prayer, we have some doozies of a week, right? And maybe this last week has been that kind of week for you, a doozy of a week, and you would say, well, I'm here now by the grace of God. Thank goodness I'm here, but this has been a week where <laughs> I'm coming in here in pieces, not at peace. And you know what? That's beautiful. That's actually super wonderful because you're here and Jesus wants you to have that peace that we talked about earlier, the peace that goes beyond all understanding, a kind of peace that you can't really wrap your arms around any more than you can wrap your arms around one of those California redwoods. A kind of peace that even when it's disturbed, you're able to quickly and easily find it again. Kind of peace that is steady and, and a faithful peace that you can go to even when your heart's in pieces. And that's what I want to talk about this morning because that's the very reason that Jesus came to lie in a manger. To bring you that kind of Now, it's Christmas, we all know Christmas, and maybe your Christmas, as I've been saying, looks a little bit like this. Your Christmas is a little bit like a murder scene. Last week we talked about joy, or peace, or some of these other Christmas buzzwords, you can see them there. Hope, joy, love, peace, 
maybe you'd go, my hope, joy, love, and peace is, used to be laying here, and now it's, there's murder tape there. Maybe my Christmas tree doesn't need to have lights. It needs to have that crime scene tape around it. Maybe my house, well, not quite that large, is the scene of a murder at Christmas. And what's been murdered is my peace, my joy, my hope, my love. And that's why it's so important for us to come back to stories that some of you are quite familiar with and some of you may be hearing for the very first time because the very reason Jesus came is to help us with this. Now, let, let me at least mention one specific. Maybe for some of you, not all necessarily, but I'll just use this as an example because, you know, you can bring in your own example. But listen to this example. Maybe some of you are tempted to cut your credit card into pieces right now because you've been shopping. And Amazon has just had some crazy deals. And, and you have, like Julie and I have, you have each other to shop for, kids to shop for, 12 grandkids to shop for. And then in the middle of all of that comes the beautiful bill. How did I ever spend so much money in a single month? How did it get so out of control? Well, you're not the only one. Let me, let me bring a little bit of comfort to you. Right? It's beginning to cost a lot like Christmas. Mm. Let's see what the credit people have to say about this time of year. The credit card debt in the U.S. is at an all-time high. Now, this is like right now. I didn't borrow this from five years ago. Consumer account balances have surged, and analysis by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York found that entering the fourth quarter of 2023, that's this year, <laughs> uh, credit card balances nationwide reached a record $1.08 trillion. Credit card debt is up 14.3% year over year through the third quarter, and outstanding balances are now 12.4% higher than pre pandemic levels. Wonderful Christmas news, right? Whatever concerns rising credit card debt might bring, guess what it hasn't slowed? Spending. Online spending on Black Friday this year was up 7.5%, proved even better on Cyber Monday, growing 9.6%. Well, at least we're not slowing down. For the five-day shopping period beginning on Thanksgiving, Online sales totaled $38 billion, a year-over-year -year increase of 7.8%. Good news for the economy, I suppose. Not only do we have a record level of consumer debt, in other words, now we have record levels of holiday spending on top of that. It's probably as costly as it's ever been to carry credit card debt at this time, yet this is a time when consumers collectively carry the most. Now, most of us don't really take a hard look at this at until January when it's all over. And that's when we decide to cut up the credit card. But I thought I'd just bring a, a little bad news into this season of the year for you. 
Yikes. And that doesn't even include the wonderful things like family struggles and strife, health issues, all the other things that we, I could have picked for examples, right? So here's the, the tough question. Is there a way for you, no matter where your heart is at today, at peace or in pieces, is there a way for you to find the, the kind of a peace that is steady and firm and always present? And the answer to that is, yes, there is. And it's also, by the way, the kind of peace that will motivate you to bring steadiness in your life to your own heart, but also the heart of others. And that's a beautiful thing, that we can comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves have received, as Paul puts it. So, let's get started. If you've got your notes, pull those out. You might want to grab a pen. And let's talk about what the Bible has to say about disturbing the peace. And I want to go, I want you to imagine the original scene here. When I read it, you, you heard me read, right? There were shepherds. Ah, what a, what a beautiful scene. In fact, these scenes are often called pastoral scenes. And when you hear that word pastoral scenes, you probably think, oh, it was quiet, it was calm, it was so beautiful outside, just sheep grazing in the field, it's night and the stars are shining, can you see it? Maybe there's a campfire and the shepherds are kind of hanging out in the cold around the campfire, chatting. You know, in the in the Irish culture, there's a, a word for when you're hanging out with your friends and you're maybe around a fireplace and, and maybe you have a beer in your hand. They actually have a word for that pleasant, peaceful, really nice feeling that comes over you when you're with your, with your buddies and you're having a drink and you're around a fireplace. It's called, now I'll have to spell it for you afterwards, but I'm going to say it first. It's called crack. And if you go to Ireland, you, you will even uh, be able to go around in, in a small town and go, which pub here has good crack? Now, not C-R-A-C-K. You might have to spell it for them. It's C-R-A-I-C, spelled the way a good Irishman would spell it, right? Well, that's, that's how I imagine this scene, Right? And into the midst of this beautiful, peaceful scene comes what? A worship band. But they don't announce that they're coming in. You don't get to see them walk up on stage. It's not even made of human beings. It's an angelic worship band. Let me read it for you. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, see that word? <laughs> their peace was disturbed. They were terrified. Now, I, I often have thought to myself, this is just the weird Jeffness of things, um, 
Like, what do you think the look on their faces was when this angel appears? And all of a sudden, they're just hanging out. Well, the only way I could compare it was to this picture. <laughs> That's kind of how I think of it when I think of the shepherds. They're hanging out. They're enjoying one another's company. And all of a sudden, here comes the angel with this announcement that he's going to give them and this bright, shining light, which is always in the Bible a sign of the glory of God, light and cloud and smoke. And of course they're terrified. Not, I don't believe, just from the shock of the moment either. They're in the presence of the holy angels. They're in the pres presence of what always causes us to be shocked as sinful human beings confronted with purity and holiness every time sinful humans are faced with a vision of God. All they want to do is cringe and fall down on their faces in abject terror and fear. I think some of that's happening too. Go ahead, put that beautiful picture of Kramer and Seinfeld back up. These two right now, their heart is not at peace. It's in pieces. And maybe some of you felt this way in the past week or two. Maybe you were like, and your hair for a moment looked like Einstein's hair. And you didn't know, maybe even necessarily, how deep it was, the things that were disturbing your peace or where they were going to go. Not only was the thing that happened that scared you shocking and surprising, but you're also sort of meandering about in confusion going, where's all this leading and maybe, maybe it was even something pretty risky. It could lead to a place really not nice. And, and that's where Jesus in the manger comes in. Because that kind of thing is going to happen. Is it, is it sin to be scared in scary circumstances? Certainly not. You're human God constructed you with little internal alarm bells that go off. And when those alarm bells of fear go off, guess what happens to you? That's a positive thing. It's not a pleasant thing, but it is a positive thing. Your fear motivates you, doesn't it? You throw up protection. You go to the hospital or to see a doctor. You swerve out of the way of that truck that just suddenly stopped. And that happened to me this week, actually. <laughs> uh, the roads are crazy, aren't they? So a big cement truck pulled out on the road really wide, stopping a school bus that was right in front of me, and behind him was a big ram truck. The ram truck couldn't see everything that was going on, so when the bus stopped, he had to punch on his brakes. I can imagine what his adrenaline was doing in that moment. And he got frustrated about it. So you know what he did? 
He pulled around the bus, got in front of the bus, and slammed on his brakes just, I guess, to teach the guy a lesson. This is the crazy world of what happens when adrenaline flows. Adrenaline is a gift of God. It's meant to motivate you. The fear itself that pushes the adrenaline out is not a sin. It's an alarm. And when that alarm sounds, just like your morning alarm, which might cause a little adrenaline for you too, you need to have a way to know, okay, how do I turn it off? And spiritually speaking, that's what Jesus does. He's our turnoff switch. He's the one that when life gets crazy, we can go to and say, Jesus, can you turn the alarm off? And so here's what I want you to understand. In our world, there's always going to be things to disturb our peace. Put that up. And then we'll go back to a Bible passage I want to show you. In our world, there's always something to disturb our peace. You can write that in. And you know why we know that? Because Jesus says so. Go back to that John 16, passage. I have told you these things so that in me, I'm the turnoff switch when the alarm sounds. You may have peace. In this world, you will have, join me, say it, Trouble. Like, that is going to happen. But take heart, I'm the off switch when the alarm sounds because I've overcome the world. So, number one, correct expectations, right? We have to know that this is a world, it's filled with trouble, alarms are going to sound. What do we do when the alarm sounds? Well, we, in, in modern terms... I don't know how long this phrase has been around, but we find our center. And that's the second part of, of this. Now, finding our center, I actually had to, it's kind of a phrase that gets thrown around a lot. I had to look it up, but the way it's defined is you kind of, you have all this disturbing stuff goes on, and you're able to sort of find a core part of yourself that, um, that there's some calm in there. You know who you are. You know where you're going. And you can reflect on that in the midst of all this fear and you tap into your identity and your destiny and your purpose and you, you find your calm again. That's, that's how it's described to find our center. One person, one person described it as uh, that sports position that we all learned when we were in grade school or high school, right, where uh, you lower your center of gravity you know, those of you who are in sports, you know, this is, this is the position for every sport. I coach softball. When the girls were in the field, what position were they in? Their bum was low because that lowered their center of gravity, and what did that do for them? Their, their, their torso was upright. Their hands with the glove on were at the ready because from this position... You can move with balance and quickness. If you're defending in basketball, this is the position. It doesn't matter. In football, that's the position. I'm assuming even with skates on, that's got to be the position, right? And so, 
That's what Jesus gives us the ability to do. Lower our center of gravity. Find our emotional center. And, and what does that look like? Well, let's take a look at Luke 2, 10 to 12. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. What is he saying? He's saying that our world... That this fallen world that Jesus himself says is filled with trouble has been invaded. And that the peace that we experience here is actually going to be a result. This is subjective peace, the feeling of peace. It's going to be the result of a true objective peace. The peace that comes when the Lord, the Messiah, defeats Satan and sin and death, and sends it packing forever, and helps us to understand in that beautiful good news of the gospel that we're victors, not victims. We're the ultimate winners because of Christ who won the battle and the war for us. That's your center. The way, again, I picture it is sort of like when Jesus is born, if there had been a newspaper... It might have looked somewhat like the D-Day newspaper. That our world of sin and death and the power of the devil has been invaded. And that crib is the beachhead. That crib is the Normandy. And from there, from Jesus establishing that beautiful beachhead, he is going to spread out across our world and defeat sin in every corner of it and in every corner of our own hearts. Was, is that not amazing? Because if you're anything like me, you still have sin hiding out in corners of your heart. It's why when the right circumstances come for me, even in today's world, in my my, I've been working at this for my whole, I just turned 67, 67 years of working at this and I ain't done yet? Come on! But I've always had a temper. And I'm so much better, thanks to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and maybe especially Julie. But put the right circumstances together. There it is, lurking in the corner of my heart, ready to come out in a moment's notice. It might not be anger for you. Good on you if it's not. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's uh, skepticism about things of faith. Maybe it's your mouth that even though you've been trying for a long time to stop all those cuss words, ah, the right circumstances, and out they come. I don't know what it is for you, but for all of us, there are things, dark things, lurking in the corner of our hearts. But Jesus, that baby, came to root them out.
for eternity and set our feet on the path to eternal life in heaven. The manger, because of that, that, not that manger, but the original manger, is the center of all history. And it's also the center of our inner peace. When we look to Jesus, remember that he came to establish a beachhead to defeat sin, Satan, and death. That reminder to ourselves, look, today you're going to go out and there are going to be moments, okay, and I'm going to ask you, here's something practical. Many of you are here together with family and friends and loved ones. Those of you who are not, you can do this for yourselves. After church, you following me on this? When the first thing happens, and the second, and the third, just try this as an experiment for today. See if you can stretch it into the week. And something threatens to disturb your peace, I want you to just say to one another, but what about the manger? What about the manger? What about Jesus? What about his forgiveness and his love? What about the cross where he shed his blood for us? What about my identity as a dearly loved child of God, my destiny as heaven, eternal life, my purpose, serving and glorifying him? What about this beautiful family that God has given me? my brothers and sisters in Christ. What about that? What about, in other words, the manger that was the first step that led to all that? Ask yourself that. I'm, I'm, ask, I'm challenging you, not just asking you, I'm challenging you today, just one phrase. I know I mentioned a lot of things, but here's the phrase, what about the manger? When your peace is about to be disturbed. All right, last point. Persisting in peace, <laughs> you know how life is. You're up and down. Like, can I ever just persist in peace? Like, will it ever just stay? And I'm going to tell you that in one sense, it's impossible because in this world, you will have trouble and you have these natural alarms. But I will say this, with help, you can persist in peace in this sense. This is what I mean, that you can quickly recenter. When you're knocked off center, you know, the best athletes do this. You know, when you're in a game, you, you're not always in this position. And sometimes it's because someone comes along and bowls into you. Right, hockey guy? I'm picking on him today because his piece was disturbed this last week. I, I won't share the whole story, but... The fact that you're here today is an amazing blessing. He got sick. A very real example of how God has recentered him pretty doggone quickly. And you probably didn't want the whole world to know that, but now they do. Sorry. <laughs> that boy's in my confirmation class, and I love him dearly. And so I get to pick on him a little bit. His dad will come and talk to me afterwards. 
Guys, this, this is the secret to persistent peace. It's not that it's never going to be hit on or that you're going to get knocked off center for a little bit. It is, the secret is, how do you get back to center quickly? Lower that center of gravity and be ready to move easily in balance and quickly again. That kind of peace can be persistent. Suddenly, Luke 2 says, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. To whom? Do you see it? Peace to those on whom his favor rests. So that word favor is kind of important, isn't it? What does that mean? We don't, we don't usually talk like that nowadays. Well, that, that word means that you are in someone's good regard. That person, whoever's looking at you or thinking of you, when they think of you, they love thinking of you. Because when they think of you, pleasant thoughts are generated. And, and they actually love it that they see you. Now, this happens a lot around here on Sunday mornings, doesn't it? You know where the guys come in, and all of a sudden there's the man hug going on, and hey, it's great to see you. Some of the ladies, you're like, oh, I haven't seen you in a whole week. I missed you. Because you have, you, your favor rests on them. You want to pay attention to them. You, your eye, you're kind of looking for them. Like, where's so-and-so today there? Uh, it's only three minutes till church starts. That's how God is toward you, constantly looking for you. And when he thinks of you, his favor resting on you means he kind of goes, that person's my favorite. But being God, he can make all of us his favorites at the same time. Now, what if all of us just lived our life as, as though we were saying, God's, I'm God's favorite? Now, you wouldn't have to say, like, Steve, sorry for you, dude, because I'm God's favorite. <laughs> you could say, I'm God's favorite. And Steve, you're God's favorite, too. See, so he nods his head in agreement. Because he knows. And I hope you know. You're God's favorite. He loves you. His eye is directed toward you. His care wraps its arms around you. And that's why I want you to write this down. God's favor, when we think about that, I'm under God's favor. God gives me uh, his love and his kindness, his presence. God's favor gives us an inner peace that overcomes all fears. You know how you know this? How many of you have ever heard the 23rd Psalms? 23rd Psalm. Anybody here heard the 23rd? The Lord is my, okay, a lot of you have heard it. Remember how it ends? 
When you're God's favorite, these are the kind of things you say. Lord, surely your goodness and love will follow me when? All the days of my life? All the days. And when the days of my life are done, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, if you can't find peace in that, in knowing that you're the Lord's favorite, that's how you get recentered. When you're feeling broken, when your heart is in pieces, when your Christmas looks like a murder scene, when your credit card, you wish you had cut it up a couple months ago, how you find your center again is I'm God's favorite. And surely, Lord, since I'm your favorite, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Pray those words bring you peace this morning and every morning. Pray those words help you to remember that God's peace is meant to be persistent for you. And that you are meant to be able to easily and quickly recenter your heart when it's in pieces. God wants that for you. And when, as Jesus promises, in this world you will have trouble, you go, Jesus is in the manger. And he's already established a beachhead which is going to lead to the defeat of all sin in every corner of the world and in every corner, every last corner of my heart. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much that you sent us your son Jesus to be our Savior. The Messiah has come. That's what we're celebrating here today. And the Messiah brings peace. What about the cradle? What about it? That's amazing, Lord that you have established this peace. And today, Lord, our prayer is that you will make our peace persistent and that you will allow us to help each other cling to peace and recenter quickly and easily. What about, what about the cradle? What an amazing word that is, Lord. Grant us your peace that goes beyond all understanding today and every day. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's join in uh, some more words that bring peace. How about the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting.
All right, just a couple of quick family matters I'll point out to you on the back page. You can read them for yourself, but I especially want to point out that Christmas Eve services are next week on Christmas Eve, uh, December 24th, but that's a Sunday. There will be no morning services, even though it's a Sunday, so make sure you're hearing me on that because if you come here next Sunday morning, it'll probably be a little quiet. Um, and so you want to come at 3 or 5 uh, next Sunday afternoon. And uh, for those of you who are able to create a little space for our guests, um, we just want to ask you to consider the 5 p.m. We get that there are a lot of events going on in the evening in your families. But if you're able, we want to try to create some space for our guests to come. Because it'll, it'll be Christmas Eve will be a big day for us. Uh, the other thing is just to point out that coming up soon in January on the 13th is our Saturday seminar, Christian Essentials 3. If you're looking for a place to plug in and serve here at Amazing Love, this is the class for you. Uh, it, it's on a Saturday morning, and we'd love to have you come. And you, you're going to be led to a better understanding of your very best place to serve. All right, with that... I'm going to pray, and then we'll do the Lord's Prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this moment in our week of peace. And now, Lord, we ask you to expand it out into our entire week, month, year, life. And Lord, I ask for your blessing upon every person here, because I want every person here to understand that they are your favorite, your dearly loved child, and that you are always having regard for them because they are in your favor through the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we pray this along with the prayer Jesus himself taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.